old courthouses are so gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Good morning. This is uh, the latest edition of the 41 Files podcast. I'm digital producer Sam Hartle. We came to you yesterday with uh, the breaking news, the stunning news, that Governor Greitens ha had submitted his resignation. Um, we spoke 13 minutes uh, about kind of an instant reaction. The dust has settled a little bit. The picture is a little more clear. Uh, and so we wanted to bring you up to speed on what's going on on Wednesday. So joining me in the podcast studio... Uh, is 41 Action News anchors Taylor Hemnes. Taylor, good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Glad to be here. I, this is It's nice to say good morning this late in the morning instead of at 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. um, the voice you just heard, uh, also from 41 Action News Today, anchor Lindsay Shively. Hey, good morning. Almost time for dinner. It's <laughs> good to have you. Uh, Stephen Dye, you're also in the studio. You've been here with us the entire time. Stephen, good morning. I have a cotton closet. <laughs> you were here all day yesterday, yeah. 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 Uh, joining the fray on the 41 Files podcast is reporter Ariel Rothfield. Ariel, you're in Jefferson City this morning? I am. I am. I have to be all the way out here to make it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and keep it simple, Tom Dempsey is in St. Louis this morning, um, where they just wrapped up a news conference uh, with the St. Louis County or St. Louis Circuit uh, Attorney. We'll get to that here in a second. So he's still working. Uh, but, uh, Tom, we miss you, and, and we'll catch you on the next podcast. Uh, Taylor, I want to start with you. You were um, on the original podcast, Episode 1. We're on Episode 6 now. It's been a fascinating uh, kind of journey as we've progressed forward from you know about a month and a half ago to today. The, the fascinating part really has been not knowing what exactly the next chapter was going to be and when that next chapter was going to happen. Because I, I think when we first did this, the first one six episodes ago or five episodes ago, uh, who can keep track when George Lucas is involved? Um, when, when you did this, when we did the first one a while back, it was trying to figure out what will a trial look like. That's what we were getting ready for. He was about to go to a trial. Governor Greitens was about to go to a trial for the invasion of privacy charge, and we were trying to figure out what that was going to look like. Now in the span of two and a half, three weeks, he went from that to that trial never happening to announcing his resignation as governor. And it's been a whirlwind. It really has. Lindsay, you've been a journalist in Kansas City now for a long time. Yes. What's been your viewpoint of following the story? I think, uh, like Tom and I were talking this morning, we've been following the developments with this for months and resignation was on the table much earlier than yesterday. And then out of nowhere, seemingly... Here it comes. And why now was the big question when he was headed to St. Louis. And we got a little piece of the potential why. And Stephen got that just from the uh, spokesperson from the St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office after her announcement, right? Yeah, we don't know if it's a part of a non-disclosure or anything like that. But Tom Dempsey is in St. Louis. He was at the press conference. And kind of simultaneously, we both got that information that now we know the Greitens attorneys approached Kim Gardner's office over the holiday weekend and said, if he resigns, will you drop these charges? And that deal was reached. So let's back up just a, just a hair. So uh, yesterday late afternoon, the governor announced uh, his resignation uh, in, a, in a five or ten minute speech uh, outside of his office in Jefferson City. Uh, one of the instant reactions to that was a statement from Kim Gardner, the St. Louis City prosecutor, uh, uh, making a statement that she was going to announce, uh, have a news conference today. Uh, that news conference was this morning. Uh, what happened in that news conference, Stephen? And then it was almost more important, like you just said, what happened after that news conference when the bigger information came out. 
Yeah, so uh, you're talking about in reference to Kim Gardner's yeah. press conference. Right, right. She was, uh, she. I think basically that was a moment for her to give her side. She was really adamant about saying that this was no witch hunt. She didn't do it for any type of exposure or gain. She thought and felt that uh, with both cases, they had enough evidence that could uh, convict Governor Greitens, uh, speaking just to the computer tampering charge. She said that she believes that they had enough evidence, but did not think that the governor would get any jail time because it's his first defense. And so she thought it was best to move forward. It's interesting. She said no extra tax dollars were was used in this, and she brought a lot of outside help. So uh, I think a lot of journalists will be doing some research on that to see what the financial impact is. But the after is the part that I think all of us hope that we heard in the press conference is that the Greggins team approached her and said, hey, let's make a deal. Mm-hmm. What, when, what was, what's the deal? What was the, what was the deal? Governor out, charges dropped, right? That's what we're understanding is that I will, and that's, we talked about when Stephen brought this to our attention right before we started the podcast, that we thought it was really interesting that his team came to her office mm-hmm. instead of the other way around and said, tell you what, we are willing to have our have our client resign, have the governor resign if these charges are dropped. And so obviously, I mean, everyone in the newsroom said, well, there must be something really bad in there. Just, I mean, that doesn't take a lot of math to figure mm-hmm. out. And really what I got to thinking about along the way, and I don't mean to sidetrack too much, is there must have been some situation under which Governor Greitens' team did not think he was going to have to give those documents up, which just got announced yesterday or the day before, I believe. Mm -hmm. There must have been some situation for his end game to work out that he did not think he was going to have to give those up. Because for that to happen and this quickly, his office come to her office and say, you know what, we're willing to resign, that that can't have been in his plans to happen. And do we know more on the timing of when the team came to her office and said that? So I I talked to Tom. All he knows from the attorney is that they approached her office over the weekend. I'm trying to look at Tom's tweets because they actually just spoke with the lawyers for Greitens. So hopefully in the midst of this podcast, we'll be able to report some things through Tom Dempsey uh, in reference to the lawyers for Greitens' response to the press conference. Because that would put the timing before the judge's decision came yeah. down to overturn those documents. Because going into today, mm-hmm. that was what a lot of people thought might have been the turning point while we were trying to guess. Because this is a governor who has staunchly defended his innocence even yesterday and called the charges of invasion of privacy being dropped a victory. This is not someone who looked like they were really considering resignation at all. And ultimately, that's the big. That's a fairly big bargaining chip for his for his team to play. Yeah. It was like, yeah, we'll we'll resign if you drop the the charge. There's it's the biggest. It's yeah, that it, it was kind of the the trump card to to use a lack of a better term. Um, one of the things uh, about the story that's moving forward, um, the governor's resignation is set to take effect uh, Friday at five o'clock. Uh, Ariel Rothfield, you're in Jefferson City. Um, where the transition is starting to take shape to Lieutenant, current Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson. Uh, he'll assume the, the office of governor uh, this Friday. You just caught up with him, literally. Um, how are things playing out in Jeff City this morning? So we've been outside his office all morning long uh, before 9 o'clock, and he's had uh, his door closed. We've seen different um, leaders in both the House and the Senate walking in. Uh, we saw uh, the Senate president go in. We saw the House speaker go in. Um, he's been calling different cabinet members. We literally caught him when he was leaving his office. For three seconds, I kind of chased after him, asked him what he's doing, who he's meeting with today, and he basically said that he is working on his transition. Um, 
he, neither he nor the Senate president nor the uh, House speaker um, knew about uh, Greiden's lawyers approaching the circuit attorney or knew that Greiden's was even considering resigning. Um, it, it all kind of took them by surprise. Um, so again, uh, Mike Parsons essentially told me, you know, he is working on the transition. He's meeting with people. He's not expected to give a press conference today, but he has been walking around the halls, going from room to room to kind of meet with all the different leaders. Everything's up in the air right now. We don't really have any details about Friday, what will happen after five o'clock once um, Governor Greitens is, is no longer the governor. And to Ariel's point, it's important to note that the leadership on both chambers is Republican in the governor's party. But all of the people that Ariel named, a lot of them have not talked to Greitens since the indictment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know definitely the Speaker of the House. And so a lot of them were shocked, especially the lieutenant governor who was on his farm when he found out. Herding, herding cattle, right? Yes. And I, and I think that speaks to Greitens, who ran on this outsider status of I've, I don't have the connections. You know, that doesn't necessarily put it that way, but I'm not the, the politician, mm -hmm. the, the, the career politician. That speaks to, you know, when he got into the weeds here, either he didn't have anyone around him necessarily or did not want to share with anyone around him. There were no close contacts among other elected officials from various districts around the state or at a statewide level. That it seemed like we're. I mean, we no, we noticed this once these charges came out. There were not a lot of them that quickly came to his defense, either publicly or in statements or anything like that. And it felt very much like either I don't have the friends or I'm just not going to make any friends sharing it from his standpoint. And, you know, and Taylor, to that point, um, sorry to interrupt uh, from here, but to that point, I think it'll be interesting to look today. Today, uh, both the Speaker and the Senate President are going to sign the bills that lawmakers passed this session. They have to do so by the end of the day. Greiden still has the power to veto those bills until Friday at 5 o'clock, so it should be interesting to see if mm -hmm. we can see some ninth-inning vetoes today, and because and, that could really be problematic for lawmakers since Greitens, again, still has power to sign those bills into law or veto them until he is effectively out. Sure. Ariel, I was going to ask, we know uh, from an, a voter standpoint that Mike Parson was voted into lieutenant governor uh, by one of the biggest votes in history, something like that. From a state house standpoint, do we know that he has many friends? He is a seasoned Republican. Oh, absolutely. Uh, lawmakers say they've worked with him in the past. He's been um, a state lawmaker um, after um, he was sheriff, uh, I believe, um, if I'm correct with my dates. But yeah, everyone says he um, is very approachable. He has a lot of friends on both sides of the aisle. There have been times when he was a lawmaker where he has kind of um, went against his party and sided uh, with, you know, some Democrat lawmakers. Uh, he has a lot of friends on the Republican side. Uh, lawmakers seem to be uh, happy that he will now be essentially the head of the state. And that's coming from Greitens coming into the first time in history, a supermajority in both houses of the legislature. And, you know, in the past reported that some people donated to Greitens campaign because of things like right to work and the possibility of the Republicans being able to get a lot done. And it mm -hmm. didn't take long for that to change. Uh, one of the next steps in this process is uh, Gene Peters Baker. Uh, we touched on this yesterday. There is still one ball that's up in the air, uh, and that's here locally. Uh, Gene Peters Baker was appointed a special prosecutor um, in the what was basically the felony invasion mm -hmm. of privacy charge. She came out with a statement yesterday uh, that said that she's moving forward. She's continuing with her investigation uh, have we learned anything more about what she might do or might not do um, 
following the announcement from Kim Gardner's office this morning? Well, and Kim Gardner mentioned in her statement that her decision, what she's doing in St. Louis, has nothing to do with what Gene Peters Baker is right. doing here in Kansas City. Um, you mentioned ball in the air. I think that ball would be deflated pretty soon. That's just me giving color. It's not... If there's no picture, Jean Peters Baker is very thorough. She's known for that. She's known for being a really good prosecutor and respected from both sides, even people who oppose her. But I think if she does not have that picture, that is the heart of this case that the St. Louis prosecutor cannot find. I think this ball, the last legal ball in the air, will fall. I totally agree. I mean, I, I think it would be a shock, to, honestly, to me at this point, if anything else happens. I, I think that with because we've talked about in the past, both on air and on this podcast, that it seemed like from every turn we understood that there was much more evidence with this computer tampering charge that was just dropped today than there ever was with the other. And now that this has happened and he is relinquishing his office, it doesn't feel like there's a lot left that needs to happen. It feels like almost at this point, everyone involved just feels like, you know what, let's be done. Let's sweep this away and let's move on. And it it feels, I'd be shocked if that's different from, from Jackson County. And does that surprise you? We knew this is after the resignation, but then waiting to listen, it seemed like there was a sense of big surprise in the room that the charge was dropped completely. Yeah, I thought I talked to a, a, a bunch of lawyers from different backgrounds last night um, when I was here, and many of them even said to me, okay, I think they'll plead down to a misdemeanor charge where it won't be something that's huge on the now you know current governor, but on the governor's record. That's what I was expecting today, a different type of charge because she even said in her press conference we have the evidence that i believe could convict him he just wouldn't serve jail time so if you have the evidence but now we know that the big carrot that was dangling was resignation really my, my question Stephen, from from your standpoint would be more something along the lines of do you do you feel like that if the first go around with kim gardner with the the um, invasion of privacy charge hadn't been such a kind of a public blow up because it really was it was it didn't seem at least from the public's perspective from our perspective like it was handled as at least as cleanly as it could have been do you feel like if that had been either not handled yet or handled more cleanly that this would have been the reaction on the other one where she is clearly saying I've got the evidence I can I can go forward with this do you feel like she lost too much clout to continue to like this is a situation oh, yeah, where definitely. you know what I was I this was bad enough or do you feel like that doesn't yeah, play into it? I think she wanted to just get be done with with all of the the ties to the governor. Yesterday Sam asked us who do we think were the winners and losers uh after yesterday and we kind of said, you know, Tom said Kim Gardner was a winner uh with um uh, I mean, no, he said the House committee was a winner. I said Kim Garner kind of came out of the locker room and is now on the bench. Like, I think today it makes her stock go up a little, but I think, yeah, if a jury would have decided in the invasion of privacy case, totally we might be having a different discussion today, regardless of what the outcome would be. But I think she just wanted to be done with this. You know, Stephen and I have talked about this, too, wondering why the computer tampering charge came forward when it did, because the issue mm-hmm. at hand with that charge was years ago. We heard about it before the election. We heard yep. about it October 2016. Right. Yep. And then we heard about the uh, Missouri Ethics Commission and the handful of bipartisan lawmakers that wanted an investigation. That was last summer. And then after the affair and after the invasion of privacy mm-hmm. charge, then comes the charge for this. That's right. And I mean, a lot of 
reporters all across the state had been talking about this. And the governor, when he ran, just on quick background, when he ran, he said that he didn't have this donor list. And then to the ethics commission, he said, oh, I did have it. And my then uh, campaign manager uh, gave it to me, though. Um, and so he was fined. And some people saw it as a slap on the wrist. And then when Josh Hawley brought this up, you know, Democrats attacked him saying, oh, he's been sitting on this for a while. Ariel, I know you did some work on the ethics commission uh, thing with the computer tampering. What was what do you think about the the timeliness of that charge coming forward? Well, the statute of limitations, if I remember correctly, were about to expire the next couple of days. So they had to either file it now or not. So you almost wonder if um, they knew that the um, invasion of privacy or uh, charges were weak, if they knew that essentially was going to be blown up and they wanted to get Governor Greitens on a different charge. And we thought it was interesting. We were looking back at the original like reporting at the beginning of that, that it wasn't necessarily having the donor list, it's, it's how you get it. Because mm -hmm. the, the nonprofit could decide that they can make their list available to all yes. candidates mm -hmm. uh, for fair market value, and that's allowable with the yes. IRS. And the whole time since this computer tampering charge uh, came, the mission continues. The charity that Governor Greitens started said, we did not give this to him. We did not give this to him. And when the, the House committee released their second report, and they kind of uh, cornered the Greitens team because Governor Greitens said he got it from his campaign manager. And the charity said, how could he get it from his campaign manager? Campaign manager is not an employee of the charity. So how did he get the list? And like I said, this whole time, there's been way more physical evidence. They have emails. They have attachments from staff members. And those staff members all turned on the governor and said the governor ordered them to do it. So, um, I mean, maybe a lawyer told me this last night. He said... And this does not mean there is an allegation, but he said, with this dismissed charge, there's a lot that we m probably will never know what could have been asked if the governor testified that could have spiraled into something else. And so I, I don't maybe the maybe the governor is a winner today. I don't. I know you haven't done winners and losers, but I see that as a win. That's a great point. I mean, I, it it feels like to what we were talking about earlier about not wanting some of this to come out. I mean. We knew last week that he had been subpoenaed to speak in front of the special committee, and he had still not said – you were talking about yesterday that really when he announced yesterday afternoon or his office announced that he'd be speaking, you expected that to be, yes, I'm going to testify in front of the special committee. That's mm -hmm. what you thought we had, before it happened. That's what we thought the committee uh, – the announcement might be yesterday. But he never indicated really prior to that that he was going to do that. So it feels very much like he had no intention of ever testifying about anything no matter what. And now this comes forward and it's like, you know what, if I'm not going to testify, I'm also not going to stay governor. It's that it feels that way, at least from his actions, watching what he's done and his office has done. I want to go around the room here real quick and then uh, uh, Ariel uh, chime in on this one, too. So the governor sure. uh, had been subpoenaed to testify mm -hmm. uh, by the Special House Committee, which appears for all intents and purposes to have completed its work. Mm -hmm. um, he was supposed to testify on Monday. Uh, Monday will be Next Monday, yeah. you're right, June fourth, mm -hmm. um, my birthday. Oh, um, oh, supposed to be a very eventful day. <laughs> um, he's not going to be testifying. He's not going to be governor. Uh, Eric is 44. He just turned 44 this year, I think. Born in '74. Um, once had aspirations, could still have aspirations uh, for higher office. Uh, does he uh, ride off into the political sunset? Does he become a consultant? What's next for uh, for soon-to-be former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens? Stephen, let's start with you. Uh, I'm not that old, but I've learned <laughs> the United States is a very forgiving country. 
uh, we've had some elected officials that have done various things and have resurfaced. Uh, I went to college in South Carolina, and my first job was in South Carolina amid the Mark Sanford uh, trip to Argentina with his mistress yeah. that uh, he divorced his wife and then married her. And there was a push for him to resign. He didn't resign. He finished his term. And then now he's in Congress. Um, and so, you know, I'm not saying Governor Grimes will get a higher office, but I think he will be back in some capacity politically. He'll maybe write another book and come back in five years. That's my thing. I think he'll be back, not saying governor, but he'll be back. I, I agree with Stephen. I don't know how long of a break it will need for that to be possible, but I think what will be key for a lot of people in the public eye is that uh, he has repeatedly said he's not perfect and admitted to the affair, and whether or not people want to forgive for anything else involved is yet to be seen. I would say that I think what hurts him is that he was not in office very long. I, I think rather than that helping him, I, I think that that he was still kind of riding on the coattails, at least to, to me. And again, I'm, I'm new to the state, but it, it felt like he was still a little bit riding on the coattails of potential of what this man's going mm -hmm, to be. I've, mm -hmm. I've read so many stories of, gosh, this guy's going to be a superstar yeah. in Republican politics. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it felt it feels a little bit like that really hadn't presented itself in a physical way necessarily just yet that he's got a lot that he can come back and say, well, this was done and this was done and this was done. Also, I am really, I am gearing myself up for how many stories are going to be done about President Trump during his reelection cycle that mention Eric Greitens? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm preparing for that because Governor Greitens has compared himself to President Trump on more than one occasion. Uh, I'm really interested to see whether, whether it be from national outlets or whatever, the number of times that shots of Governor Greitens popping up, walking out of court in stories that are really about President Trump's reelection process and how that plays out. I think might have a big effect on whether or not we've seen the last of Eric Greitens after we see what happens with President Trump. Even I agree with Stephen and Lindsay that the country is very forgiving. But even if we don't see Governor Greitens himself um, pursuing a different political office or whatnot, I think uh, a person to keep our eyes on is Missouri's first lady, Sheena Greitens, his wife. She has been very active. She's been very active in the foster care system. A lot of people like her. A lot of people think her message is strong. She's been a very strong first lady here in Missouri. And I think if we're talking about Governor Greitens, we need to talk about Missouri's first lady as, and keep our eyes on her because we could see her go after another office, too. Wow. Interesting. Well, I think that speaks to, you know, there are a couple of paths forward for Governor Greitens, you know, presumably his work for uh, on behalf of veterans. Um, I, I think I think that that's probably a pretty genuine belief of his, given his background. Um, I think I think that kind of gives him an avenue to say, hey, you know what, I'm not the governor anymore, but I still care about the things that I care about. And, and although that that charity was a part of his undoing, maybe um, it also gives him a chance to a, a path to, to move forward. Um, and then, you know, Stephen, we were sitting in jury selection, uh, and what struck me was, you know, for as limited of information that some people had about the governor, uh, the one thing that, that people seemed to always mention was his Navy SEAL background. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, you know, once a Navy SEAL, you can't take that away from him. Uh, I don't think he's going to let people forget that, you know, he has that background. Uh, and so I think those two things, 
you know, kind of paint a picture for how he might, you know, survive and, and, and reappear in the future. Uh, final words uh, for, for the podcast. We'll start with Lindsay. All eyes now on Mike Parson, right? Yeah. To see what he does next and to see how he's able to work with the legislature and uh, how the elections coming up affect everything going on, too. I, I really want to see how how quickly the wounds are healed a little bit because clearly you could hear in Kim Gardner's statements today that she was really passionate about what she was saying. And she was very aggravated, especially about the way the governor presented what had happened to him yesterday. She used words in her statement uh, like shameful, divisive, false, and dangerous to uh, characterize what he said yesterday uh, with her thought process towards it's best for the state to move forward. We've heard that from a lot of people. I'm curious how how quickly this gets moved aside and more and more people aren't saying, let's put that behind us, or if there's more. Well, because this happened when this was going on, I'm curious how quickly the wounds heal. Um, I will just tell you guys that I uh, have emailed have emailed the White House <laughs> like I have been doing every Good. day since this Grimes thing. Um, I'm waiting on a response. I guarantee you uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be asked today about uh, what's the president's statement in reference to the governor resigning? Like we've mentioned this whole time, rising star in the Republican Party. And I think President Trump's silence means that he was siding with Josh Hawley because that is the new uh, golden boy, at least for Missouri or our region when it comes to the Republican Party. So it'd be interesting to see what the White House has to say. I think here in Jefferson City, it'll be interesting to see how seamless the transition will be, if there will be less friction between the governor's office and lawmakers, and just how much the two can accomplish if it is true that lawmakers are happy and have worked well in the past with the lieutenant governor. I think that'll be interesting to see what lawmakers and Missouri having a supermajority can accomplish with everyone kind of working on the same page as opposed to being combative. And Ariel, this is someone who now has several years to see what they can do. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, Mike Parson has until 2021, unlike Jeff mm -hmm. Collier, we're already hearing about having to refile mm -hmm. in Kansas. It'll be interesting. Absolutely. And uh, just in non-Greatness news, University of Kansas basketball player Yudoka Azubuki will return. See? The storyline has already changed. <laughs> hey, there you go. And that's actually a great segue. Uh, so we've had a lot of fun on the 41 Files podcast. Um, it all started uh, a, you know, a couple of months ago maybe with, with Taylor, Stephen, um, and, and Tom Dempsey in the 41 Podcast Studio. It was really kind of the first formal podcast that our news department uh, had kind of put out. And I think it's gone exceptionally well. It's exceeded my expectations. Uh, and, and secretly, it's kind of fun, too, uh, to be able to sit down and have conversations uh, about this kind of stuff and bring uh, other people into the fold. So it's been uh, you know, an enjoyment to be a part of that. And because of that, we're going to keep this thing going. Um, you know, I'm happy to uh, you know, have this be about more than just Governor Greitens. Certainly, we focused on Governor Greitens. Uh, but there's lots of stuff that I think Kansas City um, you know, wants to learn more about and, and get to have a little bit of more of a conversation uh, about the topics uh, more than what we can, uh, can do on TV and, and, and on our website, kshb.com. Because as, as big as the, the news stories are, we also understand as audience members that you can't always give 10, 15 minutes to a particular story while, while we're watching the newscast. I mean, just while we were doing this news, this podcast, we got the word that there are two more indictments in the Schlitterbahn case, and that's, that's continuing going forward. So there are big stories that people want to know about, but we also know that you've got you know, not a lot of time to listen to them if, unless you've got the you know, time driving in the car or someplace like that that you want to turn on your podcast. So we, we hope we can continue to talk more about the big stories that people really want to hear about and give them the time that they deserve. So a big shout-out to Stephen Dial. Stephen, you've been uh, our front and center at 41 Action News 
uh, on Eric Reitens. Uh, I don't think you're going to give that one up. Uh, and so we'll, uh, we'll we'll keep following that. Uh, but kudos. Not as long as the White House is emailing him. He's not going to give that up. <laughs> I'll have to put on my track shoes to fight Ariel for Mike Parson uh, covers now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Stephen, thank you uh, very much. Uh, Ariel, uh, you've been uh, on the on the path uh, just as much as anybody. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and, and we'll certainly keep you in the loop uh, as you move forward, uh, both in Jefferson City and then back here in Kansas City on on, on other stories. Uh, and it was great to have Lindsay uh, in the studio today, and, and Taylor kind of bringing it home on on the Greitens podcast. Uh, it's been a pri- uh, privilege and a pleasure. Uh, to be a part of it. That was hard to get out. Yeah, it was, yeah. For (laughs) digital producer Sam Hartle, this has been the 41 Action News 41 Files Podcast.